Owen Davey is an illustrator with a bold graphic style. He's produced picture storybooks, Foxley's Feast and Night Night, and pop-up books about mythological monsters and dinosaurs. He is, however, perhaps best known for his non-fiction series about animals. Mad about monkeys, smart about sharks, crazy about cats, bonkers about beetles, fanatical about frogs, obsessive about octopuses, and most recently, curious about crocodiles. Today, Owen joins me in the reading corner with his menagerie of beasts. We'll be unleashing some of his writing and illustration secrets. So welcome, Owen, into the reading corner. Hello. Thanks for having me. You know, it's six years since Mad About Monkeys was published. Why is it so popular, do you think? I didn't know it was popular, to be perfectly honest. I just... (laughs) I sort of live in a little bubble of just creating stuff and hoping that someone finds stuff uh, along the way. But with doing these books, it's all about kind of following my own curiosities and the stuff that I find interesting and have found interesting through my life and stuff. So, you know, if there's any little kids out there that are, you know, interested in the same sort of stuff, then it's built for them. And I think it's quite nice to sort of deep dive into certain creatures so you know you don't just get like a little cursory nod to something you actually really try and understand something integral about the animal the aim of them is to try and kind of promote that curiosity and and get them to get into it further and look more into it um afterwards so I think I don't know I guess that that might be why it's popular if it's popular (laughs) I don't think they'd ask you to keep doing them if it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah true I don't know it's interesting that you said little kids because actually I know plenty of big kids and adults who really like them. And I think it is because there is something that all of us can discover in those books, as well as them being incredibly beautiful to look at. You know, they are aesthetically very pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear a lot from parents, actually, that they've learned lots from it. And I mean, I learn so much doing the books as well. You know, I'm not a biologist. I, I don't know these facts from kind of studying it or anything like that it's just kind of doing research and coming across interesting information do you know the research process is is a gift isn't it if you are a writer or an illustrator and you love finding out you're actually being paid to do this thing called curiosity and it's just wonderful I think it's my favorite part of the whole process which is possibly weird as I'm an illustrator I have to get information from a bunch of different areas because I I need to try and kind of fact check and make sure that what I'm saying is actually true you know a non-fiction book it needs to be non-fiction you know I look on documentaries I look on kind of web pages and stuff like that but then I need to go into kind of more creditable resources and stuff as well so I end up in kind of museums or uh, scientific papers and, and things like that. What you're saying there about credible sources you know just with regard to crocodiles and alligators we were talking before we started recording about my trip to the Everglades and everybody was very keen to tell you that alligators take children, you know, if they're playing too near them. <laughs> and you don't know if that's true or not. How many children have actually been taken by alligators? So it's very easy to pick up lots of popular stuff about them. So in each one of the books, I've kind of had a, a mythological kind of area because I think it's important to sort of acknowledge how humans perceive these creatures and stuff as well. And so often crocodiles and, and alligators get like a bad rep. They're kind of seen as evil creatures that are uh, trying to snatch your children and dogs away. But, you know, they're just creatures that are trying to live their life. And if they're presented with an easy prey opportunity, then they'll take it. And so, you know, sadly, dogs and children are taken, especially from kind of more rural areas and, and things like that. But it takes on uh, urban myth kind of legendary status sometimes. Especially if you're trying to partially 
entertained through a non-fiction book, which you are, you know, you're not only providing facts, you know, we only have to look at how it's written to know that you're doing that, but you're trying to engage and entertain this audience at the same time. So it can be quite tempting to select the things that are going to have that shock. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, salacious facts, we know kind of sell things uh, I try and be as responsible as I can be with the facts that I use so I always make sure there's a bit of balance you know if I'm talking about the fact that they can kill people and stuff I'll point out the reason that they don't you know they don't do it intentionally or you know they're not out there to um, cause harm and pain and things like that but I'll, I'll point out that it's um, you know some ways it's a two-way street sometimes as well and that the reasons why it happens and all that kind of stuff so I mean sharks for example was another one where they have such a bad rep and actually you know the vast majority of them have never eaten a human or attacked a human at all mm-hmm. um, of the different species and the ones that have it's most likely an accident you know that we're not a good meal that we don't fulfill their needs they're after something with lots more blubber and all that kind of stuff so every I time might be a good meal. That, I, I think i might be a good meal <laughs> i might as well but uh no i mean that you know i think it's important to kind of highlight those those aspects in talking about animals so it's easy to see that you know you started with monkeys i'm guessing you feel really passionate about monkeys because it was the first one that you chose and then looking at the range of animals that you've looked at you've sort of covered that animal kingdom we've got insects and mammals amphibians and fish are you trying to you know as you're thinking about your next subject are you trying to be wide-ranging yeah actively trying to explore as many areas as I can and, and different types of creatures and things took us a few books in to be able to kind of I think get away with something like bonkers about beetles because you know not everyone's going to be that into that into that but if someone knows the series they might be like oh well, let's just try it out but you know also it kind of fulfills all they're all very kind of niche books they're very specific to one type of thing and so you know you might have a kid that keeps seeing all these different things but they're really into the bugs in their garden and they want to know about them and so maybe the beetles kind of satisfies that need you know they might not be into cats mm. but they might find frogs fascinating or or whatever but yeah i mean monkeys actually it wasn't it wasn't actually my idea but it was an interesting one because in my second year of uni i had actually done a book about monkeys and apes i like a non-fiction book about monkeys and apes and then flying eye we'd been in contact for about five or six years since i'd left uni and i kind of kept trying to get projects going with them um and i sent them a picture of a monkey at some point a gelada and they were then going into an acquisitions meeting where they were talking about books they might want to do and the idea of a non-fiction monkey book came up and they just happened to remember the illustration that i'd sent through and so it wasn't actually from my passion about monkeys that it came about but it was um but yeah, I do like monkeys. I think the race. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I have to say, from a personal point of view, I've got more and more interested as the series has gone on. I yeah. absolutely love octopuses and crocodiles. It's not just because I'm talking to you today about this book, but curious about crocodiles is my favourite. So let's go into crocodiles a little bit more. Is there anything to say about how you came up with crocodiles as the next choice? Was it an obvious choice? So I usually send through a couple of ideas when it comes around to deciding the next book. I realised we hadn't covered any reptiles. So crocodiles seem like a good good choice for that because they're fascinating and they kind of grab attention and, and people are, like I say, there's that kind of mythical kind of folkloric element to them. And so I think that always yeah grabs people's attention. And they're ancient. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, you do connect them 
to their dinosaur ancestors and you look at a crocodilian and you feel that you're in that prehistoric age. Yeah, exactly. And actually, you know, when you look at some of the ways that the the way crocodiles were kind of 80 million years ago, I say 80 million years ago, some of the 250 million years ago, there's not actually necessarily that much change you know there's some variation but there's some stuff that's definitely working to keep them surviving tell me about some of the things that you've said you go to academic papers I guess there's quite a lot of photographic research as well honestly everything I mean (laughs) um, I even go and read Wikipedia because I think it's a really interesting place to start because it's a condensed form of what everyone thinks is interesting and so if you then use that and follow that as a sort of Root. I mean, I look at other kids' books and stuff as well. And I look at, I started reading a, a story about someone's experience with crocodiles. It turned out not to be that useful in the end. But, you know, it's just mm. trying to find all these different areas. And, you know, I'll end up on the Smithsonian website and things like that. If you really get into a subject and you want to create the best book that you can, it's like an iceberg. You're only going to see that however many tenths it is and the rest is below the surface you can always tell when somebody's just gone for the first reach for the first fact that comes and then you get this very bland kind of book that could have been written by a computer so you kind of feel that depth and I thought it'd be nice to ask you what your favorite fact was that you didn't know before you started this one of the sort of simplest ones which I hadn't realized that some crocodiles can like climb trees i mean it's it's like it's, it was just a weird i mean it's juveniles and it's certain crocodiles and it's certain shaped trees and stuff but it still kind of blew my mind i was like oh that's kind of terrifying um because you might have also, run up a tree to get away from yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's um, coming after you yeah and so you know so i mean there's lots of little ones that kind of fascinate me so that the, the scale of some of them as well i hadn't actually realized quite how big some of them were i mean like saltwater crocodiles for example they're just huge and the idea of coming across a mouth that large is terrifying and humbling and and awesome all in one you know it's uh it's really cool you've done lots of research but research alone doesn't create a book so at some point there has to be a sorting out what you're going to put in is that something that you do or do you work with flying eye to think about the structure i work with flying eye across the whole kind of book it's very much a collaborative effort but it is led by me so I, I I write the book before kind of sending them anything actually I think in the early books I kind of sent through rough page structures or something but um they kind of trust me with it now so I sit let my curiosities kind of go wild write out the whole book send it through to them they'll kind of trim a few bits but it is ve- it's very much led by me but with them kind of making sure that it's as succinct as possible. Can I just ask one last question before we leave the text? And that is whether from Mad Monkeys to now, whether you approach it differently? Mad About Monkeys was just all so new. I mean, I'd done a little bit of research in books. I'd done some sort of fiction books before that, and I'd done some research within that. But doing a full-on non-fiction book that I was illustrating was such a huge learning curve. I think I spent like three days trying to find out what crabs, crab-eating macaques eat. It was an incredibly difficult thing to find out. And yeah, just sort of learning how to properly formulate 
the book as well. You know, I, I have these kind of categories for each page now that they, they, they're not always consistent to every book because it doesn't always make sense for a certain creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are several ones that are themes that I can kind of bring in and I can explore. Mm-hmm. And so that speeds up the process as well. And also just, just understanding the, the aesthetic side. I know we're not talking about the aesthetics at the moment, but with Mad About Monkeys, I had never tried to draw, you know, 30 different monkeys and make them look unique in themselves have a have something about my style in it and have something that kind of reflected their personality rather than just the way they look with crocodiles that must be even more of a challenge they are just so stunning and beautiful they're not photorealistic it is a non-fiction book you want it to be accurate but you're not going after this photorealism so what is that challenge for you? I think it's finding the essence. I think that's the essential thing. And that's generally what I try and do in my illustrations anyway. I, I'm trying to find the essence so that someone understands what I'm trying to convey. Humans are amazing at filling in the blanks. They're, they're filling in these extra details and understanding patterns and all that kind of stuff. And so I like to let humans do that work. you know. <laughs> um, and so when I put uh, a bunch of circles on a certain part of the crocodile, the humans will think oh they're the scales or that's the, the bumpy skin and they'll kind of continue that and i don't know yeah i think it's a, it's a real fine balancing act like getting it right though i mm. often there are certain pieces where i'm just hammering away at it trying to find what actually makes it look like itself and there's certain things like face shapes or whatever that that can be the difference between one species and another and crocodiles if i'd have done crocodiles first in the series I'd, i'm not 100 percent sure I would have been anywhere near as successful as I mean, I'm quite happy with how it turned out, but I think um, that like the nuance to the mm. crocodiles, uh, the, you know, the, the different crocodilian species and stuff yeah. was uh, I think harder than a lot of the other ones. I mean, octopuses mm. was even worse actually, but was it because, you know, I thought yeah. you did such an amazing job with octopuses. I think in the review that I wrote, you'd made them into the rock stars of the ocean, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, they were like the glam rockers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that really came through with your colour palette. And, and so it makes you think, you know, something quite different. Of course, I know they're not rock stars, but it makes you think about them in a completely different way. One of the main things I want to do with all of these books is just get people excited about wild animals and, and nature and, you know, care about them and care about what happens to them and and you know, the ecosystems they live in and try and think about how their actions might affect them and things like that as well. You know, um, there's conservation stuff at the end of every book for a reason. You know, mm. I, I want these creatures to be around for my children to see when they grow up and stuff like that. And they're so important for the health of the planet. And so, yeah, uh, you know, trying to kind of encourage that enjoyment of biodiversity and and fascination with these creatures i mean the fascination is already there the, the amount of superheroes that are named after animals is mm. the list is huge and there's a reason because they've got these kind of superhuman powers and yeah i just think that i think they're awesome and i could mm. look at look at and draw animals all day which mm. i essentially do <laughs> so, so yeah so what is the essence of crocodile the teeth and the mouth i think there's such a integral part to their kind of identity and then this kind of long sleeking body with with the tail i mean one of the hardest parts about the crocodile book was that they're all similar sort of shapes and so mm-hmm. trying to find that variety and composition on a page and um you know you can move the camera angle 
from an illustration perspective you know you can look down on a crocodile or you can see it from the front or you can see it from the side and things like that but they're quite a similar shape and they they kind of keep their bodies roughly in that shape as well um whereas you know uh, with monkeys for example they can end up in all sorts of weird positions and stuff that, yeah. and so that was really tough also most of the time they're underwater you know on your contents page you have it's a partially submerged Siamese crocodile and you just see the eyes and most of the time that is going to be how you see a crocodile it's quite easy to to mistake them for just a bit of debris in the water and actually they're um this epic Mm. uh killing machine (laughs) i'd like to have a look at uh, some of the spreads in the book and the first one I thought it would be good because it is about getting that essence of crocodile, if you like, is the double page spread that has the title by design. And we've got centre spread. can't think which type of crocodile. Oh, it's it an is. Orinoco crocodile. An Orinoco crocodile. So that's yeah. South America. I do not know. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about this spread, what you were doing and... Is this where you kind of developed your colour palette? Because that's something that we should say, that they all have a distinctive colour palette as well. People have this idea of colour being an innate thing, but it's so affected by the light around it. You might have a crocodile that is green, but actually if you put it under a, um, a sunset, then it's going to look more like brownish or, or blackish, or it might have a slight purple tinge or something to it. You know, there's light affects the stuff around it. and so. I use artistic license and I explore that kind of element. And I really like limited color palettes because it, it, it can kind of draw you into a world. Like I like to make a book feel like a world in itself, something that is self-contained and immersive in itself and feels slightly separate to what the surroundings that you kind mm. of engage more with it. And so, yeah, actually the page before it is often one of the pages that is really useful so um before the by design pages i usually have like what is a crocodile for example Mm. um and on that there's often i'm often showing the diet of um species and there's a few more colors like varieties of colors with different kind of species of animals and things so it's constantly evolving the color palette as well i know i'm waffling around the idea of it but that's kind of how i approach color palettes like i'm never done until i'm done so i will have like a color palette that i build kind of early on but then i might get halfway through the book and think you know what that needs to be punched up a bit i want you know i really want to surprise the reader so there's a couple of pages in that are like purpley or or Mm. orangey and they're not necessarily colors that you would expect to see with a crocodile and so I think you know I'll go back I'll add a couple of those in earlier on so then it's you know it's very much playing around you know if there's a sort of brownish color I will try and use that throughout the book I won't do 18 different versions of that brownish color pace and flow is something I play around with quite a lot with the books early on like because it's non-fiction I feel like there's less control because I have to follow a certain narrative so that people understand certain elements so for example I can't talk about how crocodiles will hunt without first explaining what they hunt and so there's a specific order of how the pages kind of have to flow text-wise and so then that can be quite restricting in terms of composition sometimes so I'm always trying to play around with the compositions and play around with the colors and surprise people so they don't think they're seeing that you know they don't know what they're going to see on the next page and some pages it's you know that you have these big um, double page spread and there's other pages where it's like lots of small pieces just so that you're really breaking up that kind of visual experience i mean take us to another page that you'd like to talk about a stealthy lifestyle i think is a good 
page for this i i wanted to have a double page spread where you had the contrast between how they are approaching their prey and then what actually happens when they kind of go for it um so on the left hand side i have this kind of relatively serene image of um a crocodile that is almost completely submerged just got its nose and eyes above the surface so that it can breathe and see um and you see that it's kind of silhouette disappearing off into the into the water and stuff and you have a log next to it to show that it can kind of be confused with that and then on the right hand side is very much this kind of action page you know it, i wanted it to be kind of brighter i wanted there to be dynamic lines dynamic shapes and it's you know it's a crocodile coming out and and trying to snatch a wildebeest from from the the shores so yeah it was very much like a an experiment with that kind of idea of the calm before the storm and showing mm. both of those elements on the same page the spume that's in the water just brings that to life as well yeah exactly and like the way i depict the the water on the left hand side there's a few ripples in the water and mm. there's you know a little bit of waves and stuff but it's relatively calm and regular and um you know these regular shapes and on the right the way that the water is kind of splashing up and it's it's even at a sort of weird angle as well so i was trying to get as much dynamism into it as well how much of this is digital and how much do you spend your time drawing i sketch as much as i can with pencil and paper beforehand and then i use that as a guide basically so i've been drawing for you know 34 years it's 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 my brain to hand is quick and my hand to paper is very quick. And so I get my ideas down fast. It feels like I have control and I get the line and the shapes that I want from it. My strength lies more in designing stuff in, um, you know, I'm not just drawing something, I'm designing the way it looks. I'm, I'm simplifying stuff down and I'm, I'm playing with compositions and color and all that kind of stuff. And so getting a perfect circle is so much easier on a computer than it is in person, you know. So I use this guide layer and I try and think about shapes and try and think about geometry while I'm building it. But then I, I have, you know, I build, I bring that into uh, Photoshop or Illustrator, both of them usually, and play around and kind of get it looking more precise but then it's, it's interesting because it's kind of the the opposite of dynamism in some ways because i'm looking for these precise shapes and so that's why i found the page with the dynamism quite challenging because it's i mean it's not my general approach i, I quite like these kind of very more calm images uh usually but i think i think I, I think one of the reasons i like this page is because i i think i achieved it i think i achieved what i was after and it's always satisfying to challenge yourself and do something a bit you discover things when you try something new which uh i'm guessing is an enjoyable part of the process yeah definitely i mean that's one of the reasons i like the books as well because i i, I intentionally don't think about anything imagery wise until i've f- finished writing the whole book because i don't want to be influenced by what i'm going to find difficult later on <laughs> um i don't want to get into like a lazy habit or something so i write oh there's you know there's a bunch of different uh languors here and then i'll get to the drawing it and think oh Owen why did you write this but I think it then comes up with something you know more interesting because of it because I'm sort of pushing myself based on the idea versus what's kind of practical and economic with time. Let's talk about this page that we both picked as one that we'd like to talk about which is called to scale. I love the human being because he's not what I would expect you know (laughs) so we've got (laughs) a human being and then we've got one oh quite a few one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different crocodiles or crocodilians on this page. Are there ten? Yeah, ten. Tell me why you thought that this was one worth 
talking about? Uh, the first time I did it was with sharks because there's a type of shark called a whale shark, which is my favourite shark. It's absolutely beautiful. This big, gentle giant, and it's covered in patterns, and it's stunning. And I would love to see one in real life one day. Um, but it was it, there was one of these, and I thought, you know what? In order to show how big this fish actually is, I want to show it compared to a human. I want to, people to be able to understand how it might feel to be in the presence of one. And so I did that page and actually I loved the way that you could see, you know, we've been looking at all these different animals out of context, seeing them mm. together and seeing, oh, you know what, that great white shark, it is huge, but compared to the whale shark, it's, you know, it's quite small. Um, and seeing some of the tiny ones that, you know, I, I thought that was fascinating. And so I've continued that in lots of the books since. I just think it, it provides context again. The book is very much, the books are always very much out of context because they're in their own little world. And, you know, I'm not showing realistic leaves next to it or their locations or whatever. And so to then bring it back to the scale that they are versus yourself as a human or your your mum or dad or care or whatever, you know, I think that's always really good to, to mm -hmm. think oh you know what these are real animals this is how they might feel to be amongst them and so I thought you know what I'll draw an older male and I wanted to draw an older male that isn't the stereotype of you know beige brigade I, I, I thought you know what some old older people have some really cool styles so actually let's embrace that and let's celebrate that. I love that because in these to scale drawings it's often a very bland you know almost like a shop dummy human that's yes. used yep. and this actually just adds more interest to the yeah. page <laughs> well, I mean sometimes when people say oh you know why would you use illustration versus photos um and the reason is because illustration is so good for like diagrams and things like that you know it, it, it's not constrained by the real world illustration you can do whatever you want with it so I can have those zoomed in images of an eye next to full-on crocodile or I can build a situation that couldn't possibly exist in a photo you know putting that older man in with 10 different crocodiles and then all walking in the same door. I mean, it's never going to happen. And so I love that idea of actually thinking about diagrams and then kind of making them more interesting and, and uh, you know, really exploring what it is. You know, I'm getting the information across, but in a way that's more visually engaging. I mean, it's been such an exciting time talking to you today. Uh, oh, well, thank, thank you, you so much. much for joining me in the Reading Corner. No, it's been great. Thank you. In the Reading Corner is presented by Nikki Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do leave a review for us. To find out about other projects, including an audience with events and the Exploring Children's Literature Summer School, visit www.exploringchildrensliterature.uk. Join us again soon in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.